title of the series called The Foundation of Truth. And today, this part one that we're doing is called We Are One. And we can go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And you can turn there and then I'll, I'll keep talking, but I'll, I'm going to read it. In spite of everything that's going on around us and what we're seeing, what is a church about? Why are we here? And let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read the scripture and then my message is going to kick off. This message might be hard for some to hear, but I believe it's something we need to hear and we need to be very conscious of, especially in the times that we are living in. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And the scripture reading goes like this. But if I am delayed, this is Paul writing to Timothy. I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. The part that I really want to focus on is that you, Timothy, or you, saints, may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. When I read that, the the, the, the part of the scripture that really impacted me was the church, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And I'll define what pillar is and I'll define what ground is. The word pillar, I'm not going to pronounce it Greek, but it means a support. So when we think of a pillar, a pillar is a support. And ground, it's a support, also a support or a basis. So you have a pillar that holds up a house, that holds up something. But what is the, what he's saying here is that the church is the entity that holds up the truth and presents the truth. That's what he, that's what he's saying. The church, the house of God, is where the truth is. It's not my truth. It's not your truth. It's not somebody else's truth. What truth are we talking about? We are talking about the truth about who God is, his relationship to man, and how man ought to live. That is what we are talking about. That is what we focus on. So this whole series is the, the main scripture that's going to be, everything's going to move off of is the, this scripture in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And I'll be, off and on, I'll be referring to it. So if you go to, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 19. And this is where I'm going to spend my time today. So let me just give a little backdrop of, the, well, the first the writer is Paul, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus. But that scripture, this scripture also applies to us today. All right. So he wrote this letter to the saints in Ephesus. And understand that the saints in Ephesus or the church, they were called Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles refer to anyone who is not a Jew. So the Bible talks about Jews and Gentiles. The Bible never talks about blacks, doesn't talk about whites, it doesn't talk about Arab. No, the Bible just called they're Jews and non-Jews. So if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So you understand. So if you're black, you're white, you're Asian, doesn't matter. You are a Gentile. Okay, so that's a context of what Paul is saying here. 
So he was explaining that before Christ, the Gentiles, as he was saying here, they had no relationship or access to the Heavenly Father because the covenant, the only people who had a covenant with, with God were the Jews through the law at the time. Everyone else outside of that covenant of that had no relationship with God. They had no covenant with God. The, the Gentiles were separated from God, from so any type of relationship with God. Now, since they be, now he's talking to the saints. He said, since they believed in Christ, they were brought near or reconciled to God by the blood of Christ. The word reconciled, all that means is that anyone who was apart from God or who was brought back into a relationship with God. So I'll give you an example. If a husband and wife is contemplating divorce, but for some reason they they talk things out, they work things out, and they're willing to give it a try, they come back together, their, their relationship was reconciled. So you understand that? So two entities brought back into right relationship that's referring to be reconciled so he's saying he's saying here we were reconciled the gentiles gentiles were reconciled to god through christ okay we had no relationship with god before but because of christ before because they believe they were reconciled to god that also applies to us now on this line we were reconciled to god we are in a right relationship with god through christ because we believe and what Jesus Christ did for us. Now it says, since they believe, they're reconciled to God through the blood of Christ. So he's saying here, the circumcised, he was saying before, the circumcised Jew and the uncircumcised Gentile were all guilty before God and needed to be saved and cleansed of their sin. Of the law was with God. The law showed you that you are, you can't keep the law. That you, that you, that you're a sinner. And the Gentile had no recompense with God. So they're also sinners. So he said, Paul is saying here, the Jew and the non-Jew, they're all sinners. That's why Christ came. Ephesians 2, chapter 14, and we read through verse 19. It says here, for he himself is our peace. Who is himself? Christ. Who has made both one? What is both? The Jew and the non-Jew. The Jew and the Gentile. Christ himself is is our peace who has made both one. So he's saying here the Jew and the non-Jew are now one. And has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances so that so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace verse 16 and that he might reconcile them both to god in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Verse 19. 
Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is good stuff. Let me break it down. He says here, Christ, he himself, who is Christ, is our peace. Who has made both one? So he's made the Jew and the non-Jew one. How did he do that? How did he break down the separation? Because you had one people, the Jews, who were under a covenant, and the non-Jew who had no covenant. How did he break down the wall of partition? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. It says, in him, he created one new man from the two, making peace. What peace is that? Peace with God. That he might reconcile them both to God in one body, through the cross. So what have, what is that saying? Through Christ's death, he has removed the ordinances, which is saying there is no longer, the law has no effect. And the Gentiles are no longer separated. Through Christ, anyone who believes on Christ, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, because all have sinned, have access now to the Father, can be reconciled to the Father, can have peace with God, can have a good, a, a right relationship with God through Christ because of what Jesus did. So he said, the Jew and the Gentile who were separated because one was under the law and one had no law, they're both in Christ, reconciled to God through Christ because of what Jesus did by faith. We are all reconciled to God by faith through Christ. So in Christ now, there is no longer a Jew and there's no longer a Gentile. Both have been brought together and given a new name. There's no longer a Jew. There's no longer Gentile. Both have been brought together in Christ. That's why he's saying one new man. One new man in Christ. So therefore, the person or the man or the, the entity or the people of the household of God in Christ, they're no longer Jew. They're no longer Gentile. So he said here in verse 18, in verse 17, Christ came and preached to the Jews and the non-Jews. So through Christ, verse 18, both Jew and non-Jew have access by the Spirit to the Father. We all have access to God through the Spirit. And he said, because of what Jesus did, because he broke down the wall of partition, because he reconciled both, and made one new man in himself and give access to God by the Spirit to the Jew and the Gentile. He said, because of that, in verse 19, we, you Gentiles, are no longer a stranger and a foreigner, but you are a fellow citizen with the saints and members of the household of God. In Christ, there we are now called what? The household of God. We are called the body of Christ. We are called the church. Not the building. We are called the church, the called out ones. Why? Because we have all access to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. 
because we are in Christ. There is no separation between the Jew and the non-Jew. All now have access to the same Heavenly Father by the Spirit through Christ. That's important. I'm spending the time to explain it so you understand. And when I started talking about the differences of the church and the world, you understand, you'll understand where I'm going with my message. Christ destroyed the barrier. There's one new man in Christ. This new man has a different mind, has a different heart. Because the mind and the heart of this one new man in Christ has the mind and the heart of Christ himself. There can only be unity, oneness, between the different kinds of people. So in Christ, we're supposed to have unity between the Jews, blacks, whites, Asian, even the tribal person who is in the, in the bush somewhere who believe in Christ. We are all one in Christ. There is no distinction. In Christ, in Christ, we are one. We are one. There is no difference. There is no preferential treatment. We are all the same. In Christ, all have access to the heavenly father by one spirit. All means all. All doesn't say just the black people. All doesn't say just the Jews. All doesn't mean just the Asian. All means all. Why? Because we are all created in the image and likeness of God. However, in Christ, God took, through Christ, he took all these different people and made them one in Christ. There is no separation. So we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Do you hear that? We are fellow citizens. What are we fellow citizens of? A kingdom. What is that kingdom? The kingdom of God. We are fellow citizens of a kingdom. We are a household of God, which is what? The body of Christ. The church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. We are members of a household. The last time I checked, the members of a household should get along. The members of a household should take care of one another. So we are called saints. You believe in Jesus, you are called a saint. You don't have to do anything special to be a saint. The Bible says here, and I'm reading it to you. It says here in verse 19, we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Fellow citizens with the saints mean what? We are fellow citizens just like Abraham is a citizen of the kingdom. Sarah, Paul, all those who came before us, all those who have left and gone and moved on, we are fellow citizens just like they are. The only difference between us and them is that they have transitioned and left their body behind. We are still in our bodies. But we are all saints of God. I don't know, some of you, might, your head might be spinning because you're saying, well, how can I be a saint? That's a good question. You didn't do anything to, to, to earn it. All you did was believe on the name of Jesus and make a decision in your life to walk in his ways. 
and that automatically you are called a saint of God. There is no special dispensation, nothing to be called a saint. All you have to do is believe and walk with the Lord and you are a saint of God. We are members of a household of God and this household is not a building. It's not a church building. A building is a building. A synagogue is a synagogue. A synagogue could be turned into a strip, a strip club, club overnight. Any building can be turned into anything. But what he's saying here, the church is not a building. It's, an, it's not an institution or is it a denomination? We are a people through whom God abides by his spirit. That's the church. The church is a group of people through whom God abides by his spirit. So every one of us on this line who calls Jesus Lord, you have the Holy Spirit, the seed of God in you. And everyone globally who calls Jesus Lord, they also have part of his spirit in them. They have that spirit in them. So we globally are called the household of God, a habitation of God by the spirit. Because God desires to live in us, not in a building. That was his desire from the beginning. That he would write his laws in our hearts. That he would live with man and in man. He lives in us by his spirit. And he reveals himself to the world primarily through us corporately and individually. The way God reveals himself to the world is through his church. Through his people, it can be corporately or individually by the spirit. That's why it's important that we walk by the spirit so that the Lord could use us to express himself. That's why I always say it's not what I want. It's not what you want to do. It's what the Holy Spirit desires to do. How he wants to express himself through us. That's why I talk about purpose. That's why I talk about how we ought to live this life. Now, there are two categories of people. There are those who are in Christ. So now you understand when I say about being in Christ, which is made up of Jews and Gentiles, and there's no distinction in Christ. It's a new man. And there are those outside of Christ. We have to understand there's a distinction. There's a way the people in Christ must live, and there's a way the people outside live. We are not the same. The people in Christ and the people outside of Christ in the world, we are not the same. We're not supposed to think the same. We're not supposed to act the same. We're not supposed to talk the same. Because the Bible says, if you are in the world, you are an enemy to God. You're an enemy in your mind. You're an enemy in the way you think. You're an enemy in the way you act. The Bible also states that we are in the world, but we are not of it. So we are spirit beings in a physical body in time and space. The only way we're going to be able to interact with this physical world, we have to be in a body. So that's what we are. When you when we see each other, when I look at the people on the, this call and I see whoever I see, I am seeing the house that they are living in. But when you put off this house, you no longer can stay in time and space because you don't have the means in which to interact with the physical realm. As spirit beings, if you are in Christ, you are citizen of the kingdom. 
Now, there are many things in this world which divide people. However, we are not the world. And we should not allow the things that cause division in the world to divide us in the body of Christ. We should be the example of what unity should be. After all, Jesus said that we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. If we are the light of the world, there is something the world should see through us, in us. The things that can divide us, such as age, appearance, political beliefs, economic status, race, theology, etc. These are things that divide people in the world. And these are things that cause separation in the world. These things ought not to cause division in the household of God. But for some reason, it has. We must not allow it. We cannot take the bait. That's why I talk about being vigilant. Taking thoughts captive. Check your heart. Try not to allow yourself to be deceived. There are things that are causing separation in the world. And unfortunately, it's in the church also. We cannot allow it. It starts with each one of us. Because we are the body of Christ. The world is going to see the glory of God, the majesty of Christ through his church, through the called out ones. Because as I said, God desires to express himself through his body to the world. That's the only way they're going to see the light of Christ. We are not like the world and the Lord will not tolerate it. In John 13, 34, 35, you don't have to turn. I'm going to read the scripture to you. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus is saying here, I have, I'm giving you or I have given you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And it's very important. By this, all will know. By what? By the way you love one another, all will know that you are my disciples. The way we love one another manifests our love for God and his love for us by the way we love one another. So my question is, if the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth, where is the example to the world of unity or oneness that we are supposed to represent? If we are a new man in Christ, if we are reconciled to God, if we are no longer Jew or Gentile, we are one in Christ. Where's the evidence of this? What standard can the world see in the church whereby to pattern the way they should live to have unity? What is the standard that the world can say, wow, this, look how these people live. What are they doing? Why are they I mean, we have people of different races, backgrounds, cultures, ethnicities, and these people love one another. These people are one in mind and heart. 
Where is the standard to show the world how people of different cultures, background, races can live in as one and manifest and show them the, the unity that the Bible says that we in Christ have or supposed to have. We, that's why the Bible, the word of God says, the church is the foundation of truth. Because the truth of God, the wisdom of God is manifest and made known to the world, to the principalities and power through the church. What wisdom are we talking about in this context? The wisdom and how people of different races can live and be as one. It takes wisdom for people, differences to come together and be as one. The wisdom of God is manifest through the church. But first, we have to get our act together. So the context I said, dealing with the social unrest, people of different races, backgrounds can live as one. The church has to be the example. We have to be the example. Wherever I look around at churches, I see all types of division. Division by race. They have black churches. They have white churches. They have Asian churches. They have this church. They have that church. Churches divided by culture, by theology. We are supposed to be the light of the world, but we are not. I'm not saying everyone is. I'm saying what is the world seeing? They're looking for standard. And even if they're not looking, there should be a standard where they can say, wow, look how those people live. That's what, that's what we need to see in the world. So I would say that the church has not lived up to her call and purpose to be the light, to be the salt, to reveal the wisdom of God. And what is that purpose? The purpose of the church and the context I'm talking about here is to reveal the love of God. That's the reason for the church. To reveal God's love to a dying world so that people will know that God doesn't hate them. He understands that they are fallen. He understands that they're sinners, but he doesn't hold it against them. He has made a way through his son so that they can be reconciled to him. They don't have to be caught up in corruption and be and be a slave to sin. They can be pulled out of darkness as I was, as all of you were pulled out of darkness into light and become a citizen of, of the kingdom and part of the household of God through Christ. Christ is the vehicle God has, has ordained that anyone on this planet can become a son of God, a child of God. It's an even playing field. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be poor. It doesn't matter. It says all have sinned and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone, anyone. It applies to all, anyone who wants it. And when you are accepted in the beloved, you are considered a son of God, part of the household of God, part of the body of Christ. And you learn how to love one another. Because if you, you learn to have the same mind and same heart of Christ so that you can walk in the light and walk in love, 
and you look at your brother not based on his color. You don't judge him based on his color. You don't judge him based on his his, his social background. You don't judge him based on the house he, he he lives in or the car he drives. You see him by you know him by the spirit because the spirit in him and the spirit in you is the same because we all act into that holy same spirit and have access to the Father through Christ. So if the people of God walk in the true love of God. I'm not saying by your words only, but by your actions. The world will see how people of different races, backgrounds, can live together, can live as one. As I said, that requires the mind and the heart of Christ himself. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. It is not impossible. Because Jesus did the work already. He laid down his life to remove the barriers that can separate those who choose to walk with him. Those who say they love Christ will have to lose their life to achieve this oneness. When I say lose your life, I'm not talking about your physical life. I'm talking about you'll have to put aside your own desires and walk in God's ways so that you can achieve the oneness. Understand, in Christ, the way you achieve oneness is to love God and love your brother. If you know how to love God, you know how to love your brother. If you hate your brother and you say you love God, you're a hypocrite. And the Bible says you're a liar. The way you love your brother shows the way you love the Heavenly Father. In the world, this does not apply. How is racism and how are these things going to be dealt with? It will have to be legislated. Why? Because there's a mixture. Everyone has their own way of thinking. Everyone has a different way of approaching things. It will have to be legislated. But that is only as effective as the laws that stay in, in on the books. Because today it can be legislated and made a law. And 10, 15, 20 years from now, you have a new law passed that can, can wipe out that law and it's not effective anymore. It has to be legislated. And you can never legislate the love of God. It has to be done from the heart because you love God. That's the only way you're going to love people the way God desires us to love people. That's the only way you can love people with a pure heart. Because when you're in Christ, you know, it's not legislated. It's not forced. Because you have that spirit of God in you. And God will grace you to love people in a way that you never thought you can do in your own strength. So you see, there's a difference between the church and the world. But I'm going to focus on the church. That's what I'm going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. Talking about the foundation of truth and that we are one. So I'm going to pick it up next week, talking about more about how we're going to be one and using Jesus's example of how we are to be and as one and love one another. Because this is the time for the children of God, the sons of God, to manifest the glory of God and what it means to love your brother. 
So I'm going to stop there. And I hope you receive something today in Jesus' name.